First Peter chapter 5, verse number 6, and it reads as follows. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that we have it to learn from, to guide our lives, to be our counselor, to have it as our spiritual foundation for everything, Lord. We thank you so much that we have you in our lives. And we ask that you bless this congregation, that we hear your message and your word and make it a part of our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple weeks ago, if you were here a couple weeks ago, the last time Nathan spoke, he gave a good message. And he talked about, you know, a lot of stuff, right? One of the things he mentioned that caught my attention and caught my ears when he all told the story of one of his patients, right? One of his patients that was suffering from depression and anxiety, depression and anxiety. And Nathan gave him the very good advice that he ought to, first and foremost, before he see any psychologists and do all this other stuff, which is what the guy was doing, was to do what? To call out to God for help, to tell God to remove all these bad things, right? To remove the curse of depression and anxiety from this guy's life, right? He gave us good advice, and he touched on the subject that I think people don't like talking about, that seems like not common, especially, you know, at church, we haven't talked about it that much, but I figured we go a little bit deeper into it today because of what I perceive to be increasing awareness of the issue in the greater world, Maybe we should have increasing awareness of it in our world, too, the Christian world, because it's a real thing that does happen. And that is a whole idea about mental illness. Mental illness, it's a real thing, it exists, and people have it, and it's a problem. What do we, as Christians, do about it? And we had the Nathan answer, a good answer. But that's only part of it, I think. I think it's only part of it. It's the great start of it. But let's go into it a little bit of detail today to see what we can learn from the Bible, what we can learn from God, what we can learn from each other when we talk about dealing with issues of mental illness, depression, anxiety, mental health, all these type of things, right? I think one of the problems that the greater world has had and is filtered through into the Christian world is that people have a hard time understanding what exactly mental illness is, right? People don't like talking about it. So, of course, they don't like to understand it, right? Now, of course, recently you've seen in the news, you know, you see like certain celebrities coming up, talking about it. That's increased the awareness and, you know, in some ways increased understanding of these issues. But I think the problem is that it has been misunderstood. Like people don't know what are we talking about when we talk about depression and anxiety and things like that. Because it's not the same as just feeling like bad. It's not the same as, oh, I'm sad, or I'm worried, because all of us have felt that. I've felt that in my life. Have there been times in my life where I've been anxious? Oh, you bet. I worry about stuff just like everyone else, right? I get worried, something happens, oh, I'm worried. My kid's sick. Of course I'm be worried, right? I'm not going to be calm and say, like, oh, I don't worry about it, right? I worry about that. There's stuff that happens. Do I get sad? Do I get depressed? Yeah. Stuff happens. Sad stuff happens. You know, like my grandma died, you know, last year. I was like, oh, I'm really sad, right? I'm like that. I'd be like everyone else, right? I'm not happy all the time. Get sad, right? The problem is, of course, that people get that confused. Confused with true mental illness, right? True mental illness is a disease, right? It's a disease. A disease of the body and 
a disease of the spirit. It's a problem that some have that overwhelms their life. It's not the same as just a temporary fleeting feeling, right? And the problem that greater society has come to with that is that they confound the two, right? They confound the two. So originally, a lot of people had you know, problems with talking about it or disclosing it because people feel like it's the former and not the latter, right? If you tell someone that, oh, I have depression, right? They just assume that, oh, that means you're unhappy. Well, here's the answer. Feel better, right? Go be happy. Go do something that makes you happy. Therefore, you're done, right? Now, that might work for people like, like I said, if you're just like regular unhappy, right? Like something bad happened. Oh, then go watch TV and I feel better now or whatever, right? That works for that, right? Same thing with like, oh, you're worried. You just have the regular worry. Like, oh, I'm worried I'm going to miss the bus this morning. Like that kind of worry. I'm anxious about that, right? Oh, you keep your, take your mind off of it or whatever. Then you don't think about it. Or you cut the bus. Now you don't think about it anymore. You know, that's the very simplistic thing. So people think, people think that that's true for all types of anxiety and all types of depression. That it's so easy, right? That's a misconception in the world, right? That why is this even a problem? Why is this even a problem, right? You can uh, get over your depression by feeling happier. End of story, right? What's wrong? For these people to actually have a disease. So there's a big, big, big difference. And I'm not a medical professional by any means. And I'm sure some of you guys are medical professionals and know more about this than I do. But there's a difference between what we call just regular anxiety and anxiety disorder, depressive disorder, mood disorders, things like that, where it goes beyond just, oh, I'm feeling down today, but goes into actual physical effects, bodily effects on you, possibly you, right? And again, people have not liked talking about in the past because I feel like people don't understand them. And if you've known people that actually have mental illness, and I've known people that have actual mental illness, right? The worst thing you say to them is that, is that statement that we just said, right? They say, oh, you know, I'm feeling depressed. And you still tell them, well, stop feeling depressed, right? That doesn't help them at all. That makes them feel even worse, right? That makes them feel like a failure. It makes them feel like this is not, you know, that they're not getting any help at all, right? That's why I think it's, it, for a long time, it went chronically underdiagnosed that people didn't realize it or didn't like talking about it. Now we've hit, though, the other extreme, I think, the other extreme of reaction, that now that it's becoming more in the media and in the news and stuff like that, that we're getting a whole rash of people overreacting on the other side, calling everything, including that regular ups and downs of life, calling everything a mental disorder and blaming everything on it, right? Right, you have you know, people using it as a possible crutch or an excuse, right? Like, oh, you hear about this time all the time. Like, you hear about this on, on the news about, for example, kids in school taking tests. They flunk the test and they tell the tell teacher, oh, you know, I should have gotten a retest because I have anxiety disorder, right? When it's, you know, when we know that, okay, you know, maybe it's not really. People are just saying that because now they know that's a thing and that's an excuse that they can use, right? That's become out there in the public eye that people are conscious of it and people think more of it even when it's not appropriate. You know, I see this, I've seen this a lot, like I said, I'm no medical professional, but in a, in, a, in a prior incarnation of what I did, I used to look a lot at medical records, right? I used to do a lot of uh, disability work, 
right? And when I looked at in my job doing disability work, we look at their medical records to determine whether or not these guys can actually work or not, right? Because they're claiming, I can never work another day in my life, you gotta give me money every month forever. And that's what disability insurance is all about, right? So in this prior career, I used to do this a lot, right? And look at it. In fact, I still do a little bit of it now. But uh, what I would do when I look at these medical records is some of these people, they're and this is increasing, right? The reason for, the reason why I can never work another day in my life is that they say, oh, I have depressive disorders or anxiety, severe anxiety or whatever. And you look at their records and the charts and what the doctors do, and it's really, it's really, you know, I think different, I guess, nowadays, because of what, what happens is that there's a really quick trigger for the doctors to give out quick treatment, right, for whatever reason, right, that some guy comes in their office and says, I've been feeling down, and the first thing you see on the prescription is, oh, here's some antidepressants, right, oh, take this anti-anxiety medicine, that's like the first thing that they do, that's becoming, you know, that they just assume that you must have this disorder, here's your medicine right away, right, good luck, right, and you heard Nathan talk about the other time about how, you know, strong these medications are, how serious it is when you actually take these medications that they kind of like numb you out and that's how they work, right, so that you don't feel anything, right, let alone anxiety and depression or whatever, people jump to that now, they assume because they're being sensitive about it, like we don't want to be like we're discounting your symptoms, therefore perhaps it's being overdiagnosed and over-treated like that, right, so, against this background, knowing what we know now about mental illness and what it really is, right? A real organic disease affecting the minds of some people, maybe even the minds of people in this audience. Because, like I said, it's not something people like to share about. It's not something that's apparent. It's not like, oh, you have a broken arm. Everyone knows you have a broken arm. You can see it. No one knows when you have this ailment, right? It's something that some people keep inside of you that you don't want other people know about or talk about or whatever. But it's a problem that people have. Yes, even Christians. But I think the problem is, as we heard from Nathan's story just a couple weeks ago, that some Christians are not responding to this incorrectly. The church is responding to this problem incorrectly, right? Even though we have more and more people feeling like this, we're dealing with it in the wrong way, the wrong way. I think the first way that churches have dealt with this in exactly the wrong way is that many of them have abdicated their responsibility to their congregation members. What they've taken as an alternative is that they've just said, you know what, there are psychologists and you gotta go see the psychologist. That's the answer to your problem. And that was what happened to that guy that Nathan talked about, right? That his solution was, I'm gonna go see the psychologist. That's the, that's the thing. But here's the thing. What is psychology really the study of? It's a study of you know, trying to figure out what's wrong with your mind, right? And the truth of the matter is, despite all our advancements and all our science and all our technology, we really don't understand how our mind works, right? You can ask all your scientists and the doctors and all of that. We don't understand how the brain works, how feelings work, what triggers our emotions and all these things like that. We don't know. That's not within our realm of scientific knowledge at this time. The only one that really knows how our brain works and how our emotions functions and all these things is God. God, our creator. Obviously, he knows. He created us. 
He knows how that wiring goes in there and what causes us to feel depressed or anxious or whatever. Only God knows. So whenever you have a problem of the mind, it is by definition, by definition, also a spiritual issue because only God can deal with that issue, right? But many churches today assume that this is a secular problem. We can't help you. Go see the, science, the quote scientist, right? They have, you know, the doctor has a methodology. They have medicine. They have whatever. They've abdicated their responsibility to their church members, buying into, right, whatever the pop culture says, whatever so-called science says, and relying on that alone which is, of course, the incorrect way. That's the incorrect way to deal with this, right? Because when you deal with an issue of the mind, you're dealing with an issue of the spirit. When you deal with the issue of the spirit, we also need spiritual healing. Spiritual healing comes from God. Healing from God is helped by the church. It's helped by Christians, not just some doctor. Remember, the science that all psychology is based on. And you guys, some of you guys have taken psychology in school and you know the history of it and the background of it. The background of it is all based on things like evolution. It's all based on things that were originated by non-Christians. It's a secular worldview, a wholly secular worldview. Can you use a wholly secular thing to solve a spiritual matter the answer is obvious. The answer is no. Yet so many churches nowadays are afraid, afraid, right? They say, oh, you have a problem. The best thing you do is see a doctor, right? Go see a doctor. Nope, that's not the right answer. On the flip side, though, some churches are taking the wrong attitude to the other extreme, right? The other extreme, right? They present a false statement that only makes things worse. The idea being that if you have God in your life, right, then you have no fear of anxiety or depression ever. So if you're feeling that, something's wrong with you, right? This is the attitude of some churches, right, to say that. And, you know, in the theoretical world, in the, the-, in the world of theoreticalism and imaginary and fairy tales, you could say that, right? If I were the perfect Christian, right, if I were the perfect Christian and I lived my perfect Christian life, I think they're right. I think I would never feel anxious or worried. I put my full trust in God, and I would never feel bad ever. I'd be internally happy. And I think that's true of all of us here, and I think that's a good goal for all of us. I hope that we all could be the perfect Christian and live that perfect, blessed life and never have anxiety or fear or worry or sadness or anything at all, that we just rejoice with God all the time. But guess what? We're not perfect. I am not perfect. I told you. I feel sad. I get worried. I get anxious all the time, right? That's just part of life. You guys do. You know why? Because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. And it's undoubtedly true that we're going to fall into this at some point in our lives. And it's not always a great solution just to say, oh, you're feeling depressed. There's something wrong with you. You better sort it out, right? That's not going to help you very much, right? They, when you leave it up to you to solve your own problems, like, good luck, good luck, you're doing something wrong, you fix it, right? In fact, that makes things worse, right? You're saying, oh, I'm feeling depressed, and you're telling me it's my fault, 
at that I'm not, that I'm somehow a failure as a Christian, that I didn't read my Bible enough or whatever. Now I'm gonna, is it gonna, is it gonna solve my problem just that I'm gonna go crazy worrying about, I should read the Bible more or pray more or worry about this more or that thing more? It's not gonna help either, right? That's actually another problem. That's another way a church can abdicate its responsibility by ignoring the issue or treating as if this issue does not exist. It does exist. It does exist. It is a problem. And you got to do something about it, right? You got to do something about it. That's the way a church should approach people in their congregation that need this type of help. So what should Christians do instead? What should Christians do? Number one, we already heard the answer last time from Nathan. Number one, to recognize that this is a spiritual problem, right? It's not just a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem. You need to call out to God for help, right? What did he say? Well, this is a quote. It says, God cast out the demon of anxiety. God cast out the demon of depression, right? Step one, if that's your, if that's your realization, that gets you far away, right? His buddy, his patient, he couldn't see that, right? He wasn't even willing to do that, right? No wonder he was stuck. If you can't even realize that, that's how you get stuck, right? Step one, understand the problem. But step number two, step number two is you need to get help. Get the right kind of help, right? It's hard to go through this alone. When you're in the heat of the moment, of feeling whatever you're feeling, there's no way on earth that you can just say, I'm gonna solve this by myself, right? I don't know about you guys, but I'll tell you myself. In my life, I have, I've had like panic attacks before. I don't know if you guys have panic attacks before, right? Panic attacks, when you have a panic attack, what is that feeling like? The feeling is like overwhelming, right? Like you cannot do anything, right? You know you're supposed to do stuff, but your body just like won't react. Your mind wants to do something, your body can't react, you just have to wait for this to pass, right? That's about all you can do, right? There's nothing that actually you can do when you are suffering from this thing. Now, I don't have like depressive disorders and all these other things, so I can't speak to how those people might feel, but I've known people that do have those things and they tell me that, or have had those things in the past, and they tell me that it's kind of similar, only on a much longer scale, a much harder scale that it's you know, crippling in their lives, that they can't even act or do anything about it in that moment. It's crippling their life to have anxiety and depression or whatever these things are, right? So the help these people need is not just from themselves, they take the first step from themselves, right? But also external, external. You need help from God, God's gonna help you. How does God help us on earth? He helps us through his people through his people, right? God doesn't come out of the sky and come down next to you and talk to you, but he sends brothers and sisters to help you through all your problems. And it should be the case that we reach out to our fellow Christian for help first and foremost, right? But again, I think it's been a problem. It's been a problem in the church, in the greater society, and especially among like a Chinese, you know, most of us here are Chinese, right? Chinese, you know, really don't like to talk about issues of mental health, right? I think of all the different races, I think Chinese is like, they, they, they feel like this is something that you never talk about and you never want to mention this, like, you know, it makes you feel like you're like a total weirdo or whatever, right? So even though we face that, it takes that first step 
the call out to have others, others to pray for you, others to listen to you, and others to counsel you, right? Do need counseling sometimes. Sometimes that's the most effective and helpful thing. And it is the job of the church to do that. This is a responsibility, actually. Because who is the best at healing people's spirits? Someone spiritual, right? Someone that knows God. It's really the church, first and foremost, that has to take a lead on fighting mental illness, even though we don't think about it that way, right? Here's the truth. I don't think anyone here has ever considered that, oh, I'm facing a problem or whatever. The answer is, the first part of the answer is to go talk to Melvin. The first part of the answer is to go talk to Nathan. I'll tell you this, in all my time here, no one has ever come to me and said, you know, I'm having a problem with anxiety or something. You know, help me out, Norm, what do you think, right? But actually, we should. If it's not me or one of them, at least each other, do you have a friend here that you can confide with? Do you have a brother or sister in Christ that's going to guide you? You know, for me, I have my family. I'm lucky to have a wife I can confide with when I'm having problems or not feeling well or whatever. And maybe some of you guys are lucky enough to have a husband and wife to help you do that. Or to have friends or family, a brother, sister, or whoever. But we need that. Because they're there to guide us. They're there to help us along and to, 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 to put us on the right track. And here's the thing. Sometimes the right track includes actual intervention of medical help, right? So it's not true to say that, oh, we're going to solve your problem 100% with just the Bible, even though that's possible. We know that God can do miracles, certainly, and that certainly through God alone, this is the answer. But the whole point of going out to other people and having counsel and having people to guide you is that when it's needed, when it's appropriate, to seek out some of these secular means. It's kind of like when we have any other disease, isn't it? If someone here said they had cancer, we would say first and foremost to seek out spiritual help, that we would pray for you, certainly, that this whole congregation would lift you up and honor you in prayer and plead for your good health. But we wouldn't say to you, don't go to the doctor, all you need is Jesus, right? We would say, if you need that medical help, cure your cancer, take the medicine, do whatever, see a doctor, help yourself out, right? For some people, they need the medical intervention of things like professional counseling. And there are professional counseling organizations that are run by Christians. Right? And those would be the ones I would recommend. If someone came to me and I decided that they have such a serious problem that they needed uh, you know, serious like medical-level counseling, I would send them to a Christian counselor, Christian psychotherapist or whatever, one that not only understands the medical part of it, but the spiritual part of it, right? Because they need both. Using the most extreme example, the extreme example, you know, the extreme example is that someone is dead set on, that has such problems and mental issues that they're dead set on doing harm to themselves, right? At that point, 
You know, we say all this bad thing about medication and stuff, that that's what Nathan said in the past message, and it's not to be taken lightly. But you know what? It does have a time and a place. And if the alternative is this guy will commit suicide and die, or he takes this medication and it ruins his life and it, you know, passes him out or whatever, obviously the recommendation is you take the medication, right? It does have a time and a place. Just like we know that all these other, like other secular medicines, they have a time and place that we, need to, we might need them sometimes, right? It exists for a reason. And it's not to say that, oh, there's some kind of shame or something wrong if you do have to take a medication, if the alternative is something horrible, right? The alternative is you're gonna hurt yourself. The alternative is you're gonna hurt other people, right? But as Nathan explained last time, those kind of things like medication are only serving to dull your symptoms, right? That's how they work, right? I'm not a pharmacist. You guys are pharmacists, but some of you guys are pharmacists, and you can explain it better than I am. But my understanding is that what it does is that it tricks your brain into just kind of like calming down, right, about everything, right? And because it tricked your brain a little bit, for that time, all the medicine's there. You don't worry about all these things. You don't think about all these horrible things. Right? But here's the thing. And here's why I say you still need help. It's not medicine. It's not the answer. That's just dealing with the symptom. Right? That's dealing with the symptom. You need to deal with the problem. The root of the problem to get over it. Like I said, in my old career, I looked at these people's medical records. Some of these people are on this medication for years. For decades, even. For decades, for 10 plus years, I've been taking uh, anti-anxiety medication or antidepressants. They're using it as a crutch just to get rid of the symptoms, not dealing with the problem. It's kind of like people who if they have like, for example, a horrible back injury, right? They take Tylenol, right? Well, the Tylenol might dull your pain, but the only way to deal, really deal with your backs is to fix it, right? To get back surgery and fix it, right? There's no way, right? There's no way that the Tylenol is gonna fix your back. It doesn't work that way. There's no way that these antidepressant medications are going to fix yourself. That's not the point. The point of taking them is supposed to be that it buys you time to get the help you need to put you on the right track, right? People that just say, this is the answer, I take this medication, it's over, they're going the wrong way. The idea is that we take that time, if we need it, to go seek God's help to seek out brothers and sisters, to seek out the appropriate counseling. You know, there's some counseling that does not rely at all on medication, that try to fix our mental hygiene, to figure out what is the root of the, the depression, the anxiety. What are you really worried about? What's really causing you the sadness? What is the, the, the problem? And how do we help you through prayer, through whatever it is we need to do, to lift that burden through, as Nathan would say, putting that on God, right? It says right here in the Bible, we read this verse, God tells us flat out that we can cast all our cares upon him. That's the verse we read at the start, right? Cast all our cares upon him. We've got to do that. And only then do we address the root of the problem and not just the symptoms. And once we address that, hopefully, hopefully, as we said at the very start, you know, the, the, 
that we can continue to, to maintain that, right? Because like we said, if we really do follow the Bible and if we were the perfect Christian in theory, right, we wouldn't have all these problems, right? It would be great and wonderful that we'd be always happy. And hopefully we can. Hopefully we can live that great Christian life full of a joy and happiness by reading our Bible and praying and worshiping together, fellowshipping together, supporting each other, getting people saved, doing all those things we ought to be doing and having a glorious life and continue to, ment- to, continue to use that to maintain our mental health. I sure hope we can. Because when we have God, what is it like? Here's our concluding statement, right? There's no man in the world should be so happy as a man of God. It is a continual source of gladness. You can look up and say, God is my father, Christ is my savior, and the church is my mother. Isn't that a wonderful thing that we know that we have, that we can work through any of these issues? But we've got to work through it God's way and not the world's way. Let's turn off the word of prayer. Dear God, we know we see in the news a lot. More and more people are reporting that they're feeling anxiety, depression, mental illness. Lord, hopefully people try to seek this out and solve this your way because you are the only one that know our spirit. This is a spiritual disease, not just a physical disease, that you guide us through this. And that if you know if there's anyone here in the audience that needs help, may they reach out and get the help they need from you through your people, first of all, and not just rely only on the things of the world, Lord. God, we ask that you be with us here, that hopefully all of us can live that perfect, joyful, happy Christian life that you've laid out for us, that by following you, that we have that wonderful joy in our life. But if we don't, you know, to get on the right path toward having it, Lord, we thank you for the Sunday that you continue to be with us and bless us and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.